Everybody said amen. In the Old Testament, and it's reflected in the New Testament, the Old Testament provides valuable lessons for the Christian. And so tonight I want you to think with me of the idea of making wise choices. You're going to be making some choices pretty soon, some important choices. And I think it'd be wise to consider the choices you're going to be making and what things are important in the Christian life to make those kinds of wise choices. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, we read these words, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. I read that passage of scripture and I read others that give me a picture that there are examples in the Bible for me so that I can make wise choices. I think this idea of making wise choices in our life gives us a moment to think. It gives us pause. When I think of somebody in the Old Testament like Lot, I mean, here's somebody who had a chance to make some wise choices and did not. He did not choose the right way. You look at his life and where it led and the resulted experience in him. If you look in Genesis chapter 14, uh, it talks about being involved in a war, being involved in kidnapping. If you look in the New Testament, I think it reflects on us in 2 Peter uh, when it gives us the idea that there are ungodly citizens who have an effect on us. It certainly was for Lot and Sodom. And so you look in the New Testament in 2 Peter uh, 2, 7, and 8, but there are also false prophets among people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So you look at Lot and this idea of, you know, they're involved in war, they're involved in kidnapping, the non-spiritual citizens of the communities in which they lived, the ungodly citizens, had an effect on the way that their family lived its life. It had an effect on them. It's one thing to say, well, that stuff doesn't affect me, but it does. And it had an effect on the, the culture in which they lived. I think as well, I mean, you look at Lot and he lost his possessions. He lost his family. He lost his wife. And, and then at some point, he was involved with incest with his daughters because of that process. Look at Genesis 19. All of that because he made bad choices. Uh, you look at David as another example of, of why it's important to make good choices. Uh, we know the story of David and Bathsheba and the consequences he suffered. Look at 2 Samuel. And the first thing is the death of that infant son. You know, he says, I, I won't, you know, I can't, he can't come to me, I, I'll go to him one day. You know, you, you get the picture, he knows that he's going to see his son again one day, but that child died. It was a result of that bad experience that he had with Bathsheba. Uh, and because of what happened, you look in his life and other things happened, a daughter was molested by her half-brother. A son was killed by another vengeful brother. And you look at David's life 
and you see, you know, he, he deals with uh, Absalom. And here's a rebellious son who's trying to kill him, who shamed him publicly and, and brought more grief on his life than all of his children. With Lot and David giving us the example of bad choices, I think it's incumbent upon us as Christians to look at the Old Testament and that idea in 1 Corinthians uh, that I need to make wise choices. There are examples for me on how to not do some things. So I think they help us to start thinking about making the right choices because those choices affect our life greatly, the choices we make. Maybe even the Bible helps us with suggestions for making wise choices and how to deal with the fact when we make wrong choices. What do we need to do? First of all, I think choices which greatly affect our lives. What are some of those? Well, first choice that greatly affects your life is Jesus. Do I accept Jesus or not? That's going to affect my life more than anything else. Will I become a disciple for him? Or will I refuse to accept his gracious offer for salvation? Take your Bible and turn to Matthew for just a minute. Uh, find Matthew in the New Testament. Find chapter 11. Matthew. Chapter 11, verses 28. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Will you accept the gracious offer of Jesus. That's the first and greatest decision, I think. Will we follow Jesus or not? That one decision of accepting to follow Jesus or not will have more effect on your life than any other decision. Why? Because it determines where you spend eternity. That's a pretty big decision. Uh, the world may not question that, but you have, you have determined that that's important. It determines where we spend eternity. It has a bearing on every other decision you make. I, I don't know that we always consider that, but it's true. As a disciple, I'm now going to be concerned with what Jesus thinks. So that does affect every decision I make. Jesus, is this what you want me to do? All the bracelets people wore, you know, what would Jesus do? That kind of thought in our processes that I've made a decision to accept Jesus and now every decision I make reflects on my relationship with Christ, or at least it should. As a disciple, I will simply not do what I want. I will do what he wants. I'm not in it to do my own thing. Again, not my will, but your will be done. So that decision in following Jesus is going to affect our lives greater than any other decision we make. I think, secondly, a, a decision that we not always think about, we sometimes fall into them, and that's careers. The career we choose has a great impact on the decision and how we live. The time we have, time we spend with our families, uh, where we live, how far we drive, how much uh, free time we have, depending on the kind of job that we have. I think 
even from a worldly standpoint, your choice is important. The job market is always changing. You know, you, you go every year to see what are the hot jobs or what jobs are not hot now, you know, so that when students get out of high school and they start to look at college or they're thinking of college, what should I look at? What's the kind of job that's really hot on the market right now? But the wrong choice could lead to financial ruin. You know, I had an uncle that um, took a class on TV repair, radio and TV repair. Okay, well, there was a time when that was a great career, you know, and so, you know, he had test tubes and, you know, little things to check those test tubes and make sure they worked and, you know, put them inside the, the, the device and turn it on and the lights up in the back. You can't do that anymore. Now you can barely take anything apart, right? It's all glued together in such a way you can't work on it. They don't want you to work on it. So what kind of job do you have that's important? I think more importantly, the choice has a, a, an effect on your family, the job you choose. Do you come home happy? Do you come home sad? Do you come home mad? And, and can you serve God in that place? I think a person working in a liquor store might have a hard time defending that job. I've known some people in church who've come up to me and said, you know, Brother Marty, I just want you to know uh, I'm working in a liquor store. I don't like it. It's the only job I could find. You know, they, they, you know I think maybe you could have found something else. I'm not arguing with them. I just say, I'll pray you'll be able to find something else because that's what they want me to do, help them find some other job. They're in, they're in a place where they don't think they can talk about Jesus, serve the Lord, and it's not God-honoring. So we need to pick a career that can help us to do that. I think it, it, it goes back to Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I need to pick something that can help me glorify God and in which I can be blessed. Something that I can bless other people through. I remember told me a number of years ago, I, I dealt with a lot of wealthy people uh, over the years, and I, I've dealt with people who had, you know, careers that were high-paying. And, and, and they would say things like, does God only honor people who dig ditches? Or can't I, as an attorney, you know, help the Lord? I don't know about that. <laughs> we joke about that, you know. But it's like if I have disposable income and I can spend that on the Lord's things and the Lord's people, isn't that not a good thing? Some people will say, well, I want, that's maybe too hard for me to do. Well, should we shy away from th- something because it's hard? Maybe it will be something that will glorify God and help give money to God's kingdom. Choose what you do and the kind of money that you make. I think, C, choosing a mate is a choice that's certainly important. Uh, I think that will determine a great extent of the degree of happiness in your life, certainly. Um, I like the song, Garth Brooks, you know, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Can I get an amen? You know, bit the bullet on that one. You know, it's like, I, I, uh, my mom always got a tick. Uh, tickled about telling me a story. She said, I saw one of your old girlfriends, and then she went on to describe, you know, how she looked and how many kids she was holding. And, you know, it was, she tried to paint a bad picture and how great Teresa was. And I said, well, I'm not arguing with you, but I, I understand that. There have been some people I was grateful that I did not hook up with somehow to get married to, uh, that God led me to the one 
that he wanted me to marry. It will bring about happiness. I think it has a, a permanent bearing on other issues, children, and their emotional well-being. Am I married to somebody I get along with and that creates a happy home and that, that I love their mother or my spouse and we create an environment that's God-honoring? Uh, you and I both know people who come to church whose spouses don't. Uh, and they would like for their spouse to come to church or their relationships maybe not as, as strong as they would like to see that. I've had people who played the piano and their husband never came to church and they really wanted their husband to come to church. Um, and vice versa, that there have been things where they just never really came together in a church environment to bring God in the home. It was almost like you and the kids go to church and take care of that stuff. I've known guys like that. They didn't mind their kids and their family going to church, but they weren't going to do it. Is that the kind of person you really need to be married to? Um, but once you have kids, the choice has been made, and now there are going to be things in your life that are troubling, that will cause pressure, that may lead to other difficulties. It may be financial difficulties, violence difficulties, health difficulties, because I made a bad choice. So it's important to make the right choice on your mate. I think it's a, another thing to make the right choice on your friends. If you have your Bible, go to the Old Testament for just a minute. Um, find Proverbs 17, 17. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity I look at that passage and I recognize that the friends that I choose can be a wonderful blessing to me they can support me through those difficult times they can help me they can give advice they can be there when I I need someone to to the shoulder to cry on someone to be with that has gone through maybe a similar experience and can, can give me insight. But there in Proverbs, if you'll turn back to chapter 12 for just a minute. Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The Bible certainly indicates that I can have good friends that can help me, but I can have some friends that will not help me, that will get me in trouble. Um, I have, in the past, and police officers stopped people, and, you know, there was difficulty in a traffic stop, and you look in the car, and you discover stuff in the car that shouldn't be in the car, whether it's alcohol, drugs, something else, you know. And then at some point, people are pointing fingers at each other in the car. Well, I didn't put that. It's not mine. Well, it's not mine. Well, it's not mine. And everybody in the car is not mine. 
The one guy that couldn't say that was the one we stopped, Highway Patrol, we were doing the traffic stop one time, and there were four guys in the car, and one guy on, in the back seat had his arm on a 24-pack of Bud Light, and he really couldn't say that wasn't his. I mean, it was pretty obvious he was holding it really tight to himself, so you, you can see that. But everybody else in the car, I mean, he had it open, they're in trouble. Somebody's in trouble because of a bad decision by somebody who was supposed to be their friend. Choosing your friends. I think choosing where we live is a choice. I believe that because of Lot. Uh, I look at that and decide, Lord, where do you want me to live? Where, where is it you want us to be? Um, is it just, do I make the choice based on my own desire? I want to live in a city. I want to live in the country. I want to live in a suburb. I want to live in an apartment. I don't want to mow the yard. I, want to, I mean, all these choices that I make, how, the places that I want to live based on the decisions I want to make. Is that what God wants? Lot obviously looked at a city that he wanted to live in, but it was a bad choice to do that. It appeared to be a sound business decision, and he might have got a great return on his investment, who knows, if he'd lived there long enough. But it was a bad decision, wasn't it? I think choosing where we live is certainly an important decision in making right decisions. I, I think based upon where we choose to live can affect a lot of things. If I live in an expensive part of town, I have less income because I'm paying either house payment uh, or rent. And maybe if I choose something less, I would have more disposable income to use for the Lord's work. Uh, I mean, I know people, and you, you have, if you know people who've lived in New York or California, and they live a long way from where they work, and they're in the car an hour and a half to two hours a day getting back to work. Of course, in California, it's not how far, it's how long <laughs> you're in the car. Uh, New York, how many subways do I have to ride uh, to get to where I need to work? Uh, we've talked about this before. I knew, I knew people who lived in Crescent, which is about 30 minutes north of uh, Oklahoma City, Edmond, where we lived. We lived there as a pastor. And they drive all the way into Midwest City to work. It's a decision you guys have to make, right? Am I going to drive that far to work? And if I am, what am I going to do with my time when I do that? I know you guys listen to stuff in the car and the spiritual things, but not everybody does that. They, they don't use their time that well. You need to consider the location based on what's good for my family and what's good for a God-honoring thing. Here in Oklahoma, how many Baptist churches do we pass? You know, I'm glad you guys are here. But, you know, we do pass a lot of churches sometimes. We make decisions on where we go based on a lot of things, context, history, you know, friends, uh, family. But there may be some modern-day Sodoms and Gomorrah that we need to avoid in the sense of location. For every action, there's a reaction. For every choice, there's a consequence. And to increase the likelihood that we have good outcomes, we need to make good decisions. So how do we do that? I, th I think how, how suggestions for making good decisions. Number one, ask God. Ask God for wisdom. He's promised that if we will ask him, he will what? He will not, not give us the answer. He will not upbraid us. He will not talk down to us. He wants us to ask, seek, and knock for the question. 
I think there is also wisdom in, in asking other people about those kinds of decisions. There's wisdom in, in getting counsel from others. The Bible says is iron sharpens iron. So it's the counsel of many mighty men. So there's something about talking to other people uh, and saying, here's, you know, wh- what do I need to do? I ask God for that wisdom, but then I need to ask advice from others. I need to have good counselors that, that I trust. Uh, the, the Bible itself is a resource in asking good questions from others. I, I look at Proverbs, and over and over again, it gives me insight on certain ways how I need to live. If I'll read it, and if I'll heed it, Certainly older, mature Christians have given me insight over the years on what to do. I know that when I got ready to try to go to seminary, you know, I talked to a lot of pastors that I knew. Where did you go? Why did you go there? Uh, What do I need to worry about if I go that place? I mean, I had six seminaries, Southern Baptist seminaries to choose from. Um, And I just trying to decide which one of those I was going to go to was a big issue for me. It wasn't just the closest one. It was what was the best one for me at that time. Um, We went to California and um, Master Seminary talked with me about, you know, coming out there and and going there. And it was when he was just, John MacArthur was just getting it started up. And I knew an elder and we visited and all that. And I had to decide, do I want to go all the way out there? Is that the right thing to do for a ministry or not? Um, We get those advice hints from people who we trust. But there is a wrong thing to do when making those choices. One is continue in the bad choices. Sometimes it's like, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, we act like. Well, I'm, I'm this far, I might as well just see it to the better end. But is that really what we need to do? Can we extricate ourselves from a bad decision? Can we pull ourselves back out? Can we find a way to make a better decision? And I think what some people do is not just give up, but wallow in that decision. You met those people, that they've made a bad decision and they don't mind telling you about that. They want you to feel as bad as they are in the decision that they made. Making wise choices. May the examples of the Old Testament, like Lot and David, help us to make wise choices. And may they serve as a warning to us. The Old Testament certainly is a warning. And many people, when you look at their lives, is that how I want to live my life? May we ever be open to the wisdom that's around us, the wisdom from God, wisdom from spouses, wisdom from friends, wisdom from people that we live around, family. They can help us in making wise decisions. And then, of course, the most important decision that we talked about, have I made that decision for Jesus? And is that a decision that I have made positively because it's going to affect every other decision that I make in my life? Making wise decisions. You guys are going to be making an important decision very soon. And it's a time for you to stop and think, what's the right thing to do? Am I asking God about, have I prayed about this? Have I looked in his word? Have I spent time getting close to him so that I will make the right decision when I'm asked to make that decision? So in two weeks, When someone comes in view of a call, it's time for you to certainly make sure you make a wise choice.
What decisions or prayer requests do you have to add to tonight? Yeah. Yeah. 